0: Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Neil Haney. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Well, um, I'll tell you what, preaching um, every other Sunday uh, with Dennis is... um, man it's it's a, he's a hard act to follow he's one of the best speakers i've ever heard and so every, every time i get up here after he's spoken i feel a little bit uh uh i don't i don't know just it's it's really challenging to follow him and last week he crushed the the uh the opening sermon in the series on romans 1 through 8 uh we're doing a a survey series it's a survey is uh, as opposed to expository where you go verse to verse and you do a deep dive, we're doing kind of an overview of of uh, Romans 1 through 8. Um, Romans 1 through 8 is really the most powerful uh, presentation of the theology of what we call the gospel. And uh, I love Paul. Um, I, I love who this guy is. I, I just want to, you know, some of you may be new to... To this whole thing, and I just want to tell you who Paul is, because it's fascinating that he's the one writing the book of Romans. Paul was uh, was a Jew, and he was a Pharisee, which meant he was um, he was a theologian. He was a, he was a teacher. Uh, he was uh, trained under the best uh, rabbinical teacher of all time, uh, a guy named Gamaliel. And uh, this guy was like, he had a PhD in the law of Moses. Like, he knew Jewish theology backward and forward. And he hated two groups of people. He hated, he hated Gentiles. They were known as dogs to the Jewish people because they were the lawless ones, they were the, the, the Gentile dogs. They, they were the ones who were totally outside of God's chosen people. And number two, he hated Christians. Because Christians had believe, or were people that believed in this false Messiah, as far as Paul was concerned, that was what he was taught by his teachers, because he wasn't apparently around uh, or he was, you know, still a child or whatever, when uh, the, 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 the Jewish leaders had Jesus crucified for claiming to be the Son of God and, and, and the Messiah. And so he was taught that this, this guy, this Jesus, was a false messiah, and that anyone who followed him was a heretic. And so he made it his business, <laughs> once he got into power, to go around arresting Christians and having them thrown in prison, and he, he held the, the coats of the people at Stone Stephen to death, who was a, who was a, uh, a man who believed that Jesus was Messiah, and actually... Uh, gave a gospel presentation to the Jewish leaders. And they took him out and stoned him to death. And Paul said, hey, let me hold your coach while you, while you take care of this guy. And so he's on his way to Damascus, which was a you know, city out just outside of the Jewish realm, because some, some, some Jewish Christians had escaped to there, and he was going to go get them and, and, and bring them back for prosecution or whatever. And as he's on his way, on his horse with his group of men, he has this encounter where Jesus appears to him in a, in a big way. I mean, just the glory of the Lord just, it, it's so bright, the, the, the glory of Jesus, that it blinds Paul, and he literally falls off his horse. And, uh, and Jesus says, uh, you know, he, he, he was going by the name Saul. Uh, and Jesus says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? <laughs> And this, this Jewish rabbi trained in the, you know, PhD and, you know, Jewish theology, who are you, Lord? <laughs> and he says, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. And his life was transformed in that moment. He, he was later prayed over, filled with the Holy Spirit. And then it's interesting what he says happens to him. Uh, it's not recorded in the book of Acts, but he tells the Galatians, I love this, I think we have this scripture, actually, um, Galatians uh, chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. Is it, do we have that, David? Do we have Galatians uh, 1, 11 and 12? As he's writing to this Gentile church, by the way, he was called now to be the apostle to the Gentiles. So they're, the ones he hated, the Christians and the Gentiles, now he's their apostle. That's a miracle, Right? That's the kind of transformation that God brings in the lives of people. And he says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, he's calling these Gentiles brothers and sisters now. It's awesome. That the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man. He didn't go to Jerusalem and talk to Peter and James and John and all these guys. He said, I, um, nor was I taught it by any human being. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. He got the gospel straight from Jesus. So you got to know that he got it right. Like this was the true gospel. And so last week, um, as we dove into the first chapter, as Dennis dove into the first chapter of the book of Romans, Paul is saying to now this Roman church, again, uh, He's writing to this church outside of Israel. Uh, And and Dennis explained very well the origin of this church. It was started by Jewish converts. And then some Gentiles began to come into this church in in the city of Rome. And then uh, Caesar began to persecute the Jews. So they left Rome, and it was just the Gentiles that were left. And then the next Caesar that came along welcomed them back, and so they came back. And so now there are lots of Gentiles, and now these Jews come back. And so there, this church is, is a mixture of Jews and Gentiles. Jewish converts to Christianity and, and Gentile converts to Christianity. And uh, you might guess just by that mixture that there, there might be some tension, some conflict with these two people coming together from completely different backgrounds. One of the things that we know about the early, early Jewish converts was they were still trying to fit their faith in Christ into their Jewish religion. And it was very awkward. They were doing exactly what Dennis told us not to do when he, we preached on, uh, uh, he, he talked about mixing uh, the two cleaners, bleach and ammonia. They were trying to mix law and, and, and grace. They were trying to mix Judaism and Christianity, and it, it, it just doesn't work very well. And so this is what was happening. And, and so... Paul is, is talking to these two groups, and, and I think that one of the things that he was trying to accomplish in his letter to the Roman church was you guys need to get along. You need to, you need to stop judging each other. You need to stop condemning each other and, and start loving each other and start living together and, and being in unity. And, and the way you do that is you put away your pride and you put away all your preconceived notions and you begin to realize that you are all of you stand in need of God's grace and, and God's uh, um, righteousness because you don't accomplish it in any other way except by receiving uh, the good news of the gospel by faith. So, so, so Dennis pointed out that Paul said this, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the salvation of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile, because it did come through. I mean, this came through the Jewish faith, the Jewish people. Jesus came to the Jewish, Jewish nation and then died under the law so that he could set people from the law into grace. For in the gospel, the good news is what the gospel means. The righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by keeping the law 100%. Right? <laughs> is that what? No, a righteousness that comes by faith from first to last, just as is written, the righteous will live by faith. So that's the gospel. That we there's a righteousness that we receive from God, not based on anything except faith in what Christ has done for us. Um, and, and then. Paul begins to explain, and it's really interesting that Dennis pointed this out. Here's a church that he is preaching the gospel to. These are believers. They already have the Holy Spirit. They already know Jesus. They already have Christ. And yet he's having to, he feels the need to preach the gospel to them all over again. Let let me just say a couple of quick things as, as I preach here. I have really struggled this week because... I feel like the majority of the people I'm speaking to this morning know this, what I'm talking about backwards and forward. And part of me has struggled with the fact that, that, that I'm telling you something that you already know so well. Neil, I get it. My righteousness is based on faith in Christ. Can we move on? Can we, can, can we leave these elementary principles and go to something that has meat to it? <laughs> and... and uh, let me say two things to anyone thinking those things. Because, I mean, I've really thought of you all week, and I've really struggled with this. And last night the Lord said, look, just tell them this. So I, this is a word from the Lord. You may understand this backwards and forward, but not everyone in this room does. So why don't you begin to pray for those who don't understand this? Because so much of, of churchianity through the ages has fallen into a works righteousness. It's just so easy to move from grace into works. It's just so easy to slide from receiving the righteousness that God has given us through His Son and what Jesus has done to a performance mentality. Especially if you come out of a performance background like me. I came out of a religion of performance and it has taken a long time to work out of that. And still, I still have my days when I'm like, God, how do you put up with me? And he's like, well, there's the cross and there's my blood and I love you. And remember those things? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. It's not about me. It's about you. So I just encourage you, if you don't feel like this is really like Great new stuff for you. It may be great new stuff for someone else here. So be, begin to pray that God will break through with revelation for that. And I had another point, but I forgot it. <laughs> It'll come to me. I, I, yeah, I, I'll just say this. Um, man, as I, was, as I was preaching through this this week, um, it's like I never get tired of hearing the good news. I just never get tired of hearing. I get to that place where it says that we all stand condemned in and of ourselves. We can never be good enough. We can never be right enough. We can never perform well enough. But then it's not about me anymore. As I put my faith in what Jesus has done for me, I go free. I'm not guilty. I don't have to worry about being separated from God for eternity because Jesus has dealt with that completely. And now I'm received, I'm accepted in Him. Not having a a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but a righteousness that comes through faith in Christ. For some reason, that just washes over me afresh. And it's fresh manna. You know, the the Israelites ate the same thing every day for, for, I, I don't know how, 40 years or whatever. But somehow I believe that there was... There was a freshness to that manna that they ate that next morning. They got up and ate hey, like a good dose of manna today. And I, and I, I think that as we hear the gospel afresh, as we hear the good news, there's something that just washes over us. And like the old hymn says uh, about, you know, to, to hear the old old story of Jesus and his love, you just can't get enough. Amen. Okay. Thank you, Derek. You were one of the guys I was thinking about, by the way. It's like, Derek's like, what, Neil? I know this stuff. Thank you, brother. So um, Dennis pointed out that, uh, that the gospel actually starts out with bad news. It starts out with it because if you're going to really appreciate the good news, you kind of got to understand the bad news. And the bad news is this, that, that the human race started off very poorly Adam and Eve, within just a short time, ate forbidden fruit that God said not to do. They died spiritually. They gave birth to a race of spiritually dead people. And people started out, I mean, it's interesting as you read early Genesis, God is still interacting with people on a kind of a face-to-face, you know, audible kind of, even Cain, as bad as he was, God would have conversations with Cain, who killed his brother Abel. And uh, but, but things de- degenerated very quickly, and before long, God was only speaking to a few people like Noah and Abraham. And so we lost contact with God, and then the human race just began this downward spiral into depravity. And uh, it, it just talks about how at a certain point, I mean, you know, Paul is saying the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. No one is without excuse. We all know that there's a God. It was interesting. I, I heard a comment. You know how many scientists I mean, in, in, in America are atheist. Atheism and, and science kind, kind of go together. But someone asked... Albert Einstein, if he believed in God, and he said, "You insult me by asking that question." He said, "How can you be a scientist and not believe in God? The evidence is everywhere of intelligent design. It's the evidence is right in front of your face." Someone sent me an article this week about uh, evolution cannot explain human sexuality. Don't think about that too much, okay? Especially while I'm preaching. You know, you just go in a bad place. But, but, but there's no explanation for that in evolution. How do you evolve into male and female that, you know, I mean, anyway, yeah, like I said, don't think too much. Or you'll start down this list here. So I want to pick up with so, so Dennis said, you know, uh, we're, we're saved from something and we're saved to something. And what we're saved from is all the the sin and depravity that the human race has been affected by that has literally brought hell on earth. Let let me just give you an example of this. Think about the summer of 2020. Think about what you saw every day on television. The riots, the burning of buildings, the beating of people being pulled out of their vehicles and beaten on the street, people shot, killed, looting, all that stuff. That that is human nature gone awry. And that's the kind of thing that Paul is explaining and talking about. When we turn our backs on God, when we walk away from, when we forget that we were created in God's image to love and to to serve and to bless and to to give ourselves away for each other, and we begin to live selfishly, that's the kind of thing that comes out of that. Now, I, I love what Dennis said. He said, God's wrath is not poured out on people, It's poured out on ungodliness and unrighteousness of people. He wants to save us. He wants to save the people he created to be his children from the ungodliness and unrighteousness that has become a part of who they are. You know, here's my illustration for that. I think of people that have some form of cancer. When they get the word from their doctor that they have cancer, the doctor doesn't say, now, Go home and enjoy your cancer. You know, really just let that stuff just, you know, just do everything you can to let that stuff grow and, you know, uh, enjoy that. That's that's not at all what happens. What happens is the doctor says, okay, here's, here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do radiation. We're going to do chemo. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to go after that stuff. We're going to not just where it is, but we're just going to go all the way around it. We're going to make sure that everything connected with that those cancer cells is destroyed we're gonna we're gonna pour out our wrath on that cancer and people lose their hair people lose weight people go through all kinds of pain and difficulty because of chemo they 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 lose their energy the doctor is not trying to inflict that on them but the doctor will the surgeons the 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 you know, people at the James, they'll go after that cancer aggressively because they hate the cancer and they love the person. Sin is spiritual cancer. We've been infected by that. And God will destroy that. Amen. He will destroy it. Now, if we embrace our cancer, we'll be destroyed by it. If we allow the doctor to, the surgeon to go after that cancer, there's a good chance it's getting better and better to the chances of survival, as we know more and more about cancer and how it works and how to destroy it. And so God is wanting to destroy the cancer that is that is growing in the hearts of His children, the cancer of sin. And he ends uh, chapter one by saying, although they know God's righteous decrees that those who do such things, all these sins that He lists, things like envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, all you know, all these things that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these things, these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. So we've got, we've got this, this really, really bad mess. And uh, remember, Paul is talking to Jews and Gentiles here in this church, and the Jewish people are like, that's right, yes. Those, those people that don't have the law, they live like that. and uh, And so... They're they're starting the the Jewish believers are starting to kind of look down their nose at these Gentiles who don't have their act together yet. They're still struggling with all kinds of worldliness and they're trying. I mean, who here doesn't struggle with sin? Raise your hand. You don't. Whoa, you almost did. Almost raise your hand. Heresy, heresy, knocking. Man, who, who? I mean, let's face it. We we're all trying to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, right? As as we allow God to work in us His will. And so the, the, the Jews are like, yeah, those, those Gentiles, those lawless Gentiles, they don't have the, the, the commandments that we do. They just don't understand, you know, sin, and, and they don't understand how, how the law has been given so that we wouldn't sin. And uh, I love what happens here. Paul turns from the Gentiles here in the church, and he looks at the Jewish people, and he says, you, therefore... Have no excuse who pass judgment on someone else for whatever at whatever point you join you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Really key here. The Jews thought because they had the law and they were God's chosen people that they were somehow superior to these Gentiles. And Paul is trying to just take take their legs out from under them because they're standing in judgment of their Gentile brothers and sisters. Verse three, so when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think that you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? It's not judgment that leads us to repentance. It's God's kindness. It's his grace. I don't, you, you've probably never experienced this, but when I sin, I almost always feel like the Lord's just going to, He's going to back, backhand me into next week. I'm just kind of cringing, waiting on the wrath of God to fall. I, I, again, like I said, I'm, I came out of a pretty legalistic background, and, and it's just like the other shoe's about to drop, and it's going to drop on my head, <laughs> and 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 then all of a sudden the lord jesus speaks to me and he says son i love you i forgive you i died for that sin 2000 years ago it's already been paid for won't you just come over let me hug you let me love you let me show you a different way let's don't go there again let's go this way and he just lovingly takes me into his grace and into another way of functioning. It's just so awesome. It's so, it's so precious how he just loves on me. You guys are shocked. You thought, I never sinned, I know. Just ask my wife. <laughs> is anger a sin, by the way? If you yell at your wife, is that bad? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Sorry, Deb. Happy Mother's Day. not funny come on but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart you're storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed God is really the only one who can judge righteously like like here's here's a here's a really interesting human characteristic you spot it you got it the things that bug you the most about other people are probably the things that you struggle with the most that's just human nature because you hate that in yourself, and you see it in someone else, you really hate that. And so that 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 happens. So uh, I want to look at at, um, at verse eight here. But those who are self-seeking, who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. This probably isn't on here, but I'm just going to go ahead and read it or on the screen. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Gentile, then for the Gentile, for God does not show favoritism. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't show favoritism. Listen to this. Verse 12 is the key verse to what I'm saying this morning. All who sin apart from the law, lawless people, Gentiles, will also perish apart from the law, and all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. There are only two categories of people, Jews and Gentiles, those who are lawless in sin and those who are lawbreakers because of sin. And we're all under the same judgment of God. If if we just continue that way. In other words, if we say, you know what? I don't want your grace. I don't want Jesus's... I, I, I'm just going to really enjoy sin, and I'm just going to keep doing it. Go away, God. That's basically what Cain did. God offered him another way. And Cain said, no, thank you, God. And it says that he left the presence of God, Cain did. This is like the, the, the oldest son of Adam and Eve, the firstborn child of the human race that was actually born And he killed his brother, and when God came to talk to him about it, and he was going to give him grace. He had warned him about the sin, and then he was going to give him grace. and, And Cain said, no, thank you. And it says he left the presence of God and went into the land of Nod, which means aimless wandering, and had a son and built a city. And he did that out of the presence of God. And that was the beginning of the human city trying to find meaning, purpose, and value apart from God. If you want to live that way, then you can stay apart from God. And and what happens is you enter eternity apart from God and you come under God's judgment in the last day and you live apart from life and light and love and everything good. That is hell. And it starts right here on earth if we live like that. And so... In verse 23, Paul says, you who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemy among the Gentiles because of you. You claim to be these law-abiding, superior whatever, and yet the Gentiles are blaspheming God because you're lawbreakers. You, you claim to know and, and, and have the law, and yet you break the law. And he says, we're only obeying the law if we do it in our hearts by the Spirit, not by some written code. That's what he says in, 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 in verse 29. Now I'm going to go into, into chapter 3 for a moment, because this is really the punchline, and I, and I can't help going here. What do, what do we conclude then in verse 9, he says? Do Jews have any advantage over Gentiles? At first he says yes because, well, you've had the prophets and you had the law and you had, you know, Abraham and Moses and all these things, and that's all good. But really what advantage has that been for you? He says, not at all. Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are under the power of sin. That's what Jesus came to set us free from. This cancer growing on human hearts. It's the same for Jews. It's the same for Gentiles. We all experience this. And then Paul catalogs scriptures talking about how fallen and how warped and how bad the human race has become because of spiritual death and sin. No one. There is no one righteous. Not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All of us turned away they have together become worthless there is no one who does good not even one I mean talk about bad news this is really bad news their throats are an open grave their tongues practice deceit the poison of vipers is on their lips their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness their feet are swift to shed blood ruin and misery mark their ways and the way of peace they do not know there is no fear of God before their eyes Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law. So that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world accountable to God. Therefore, listen to this. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by works of the law. Rather, the law, through the law, we become conscious of sin. That's really what the law is all about. The law says, hey, look. The law is a mirror, and it says, look at yourself. It's like having chocolate pudding on your face, and you don't know it until you see the mirror, and you're like, oh, there's chocolate pudding on my face. But you know that mirror will not make your face unchocolated. Is that a word? I just made that up. Someone put that in a thesaurus, please. It means having chocolate on your face and and having it removed. The, The law does not make us righteous. It only shows us that we're unrighteous. That's why the Jews had no advantage over the Gentiles. Because they were not made righteous by the law. They were convicted that they were sinners by the law. And the law made them more conscious of their sin. And so here's the punchline, guys. But now apart from the law, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets actually pointed The law pointed to this. The prophets pointed to this. This righteousness is given as a gift. It's given by God himself through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Who believe what? In Jesus, that he died for me, that he died for you, that he took your sin and your your guilt and your shame, and he nailed it to the cross in his body. I like how Putty Putman says, he, Adam took sin off the tree and took it into himself and, and became one with sin. The innocent, sinless son of God took our sin into himself, became one with sin, and put sin back on the tree where it came from. And then he died. He paid the penalty. The wages of sin is death. He paid our penalty for us. He died in our place. The innocent son of God became sin for us that we should become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So awesome. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we are all justified freely by grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. I love what Paul says, and, and this is kind of a summary of what he's saying to this church in Rome. I consider, this is, this is uh, uh, so David, this, this is Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Paul has just said, he's talked about his pedigree, that he was a, a Jew of Jew, a Gentile, I mean a, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a, a great teacher of the law. You know, he, he kept the letter of the law as perfectly as a human being could. And yet he says this, I consider everything a loss. All that education, all the knowledge of the law, all my notoriety, all my leadership, you know, whatever, I consider everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. He gave all that up. Walked away from it. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Listen to this. Be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that righteousness which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Drop the mic. (laughs) Guys, we need to be righteous. We need to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That's what it says in in Hebrews 12. But that holiness is not from being good. It's not from keeping some kind of... You know, religion is always about a God who has a bunch of rules, and people that are in that religion try to keep the rules so they'll please God and somehow have a good afterlife or something. Christianity is not a religion. It's all about a relationship with a Savior and with a Father in the Spirit. It's not a religion. It's a gift. We are made righteous through something that someone else did for us 2,000 years ago on 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 a cross. The one who said, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, came down and hung on a tree and became a curse for us so that we would be blessed became sin for us so that we would be righteous, um, died for us so that we could live, switched places with us so that we could have all his inheritance as he took all of our hell and punishment. And this was God's idea. From all eternity, he had determined to do this for us. Isn't that awesome? He knew that we were going to be created, and he knew we would fall, and he knew that he was going to have to suffer and die for us, and we were worth it to go ahead and and create everything and bring us into existence. Regardless of what it cost Him, you are that important. Your righteousness is not based on how good you are. You don't get points for being good and points deducted for being bad. I don't care what you've been taught. Your righteousness is based on faith in the one who died for you. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at vineyardnorthridge.